Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gals of Geekdom podcast. This is your flagship leader, Crystal Williams, here to take you on the voyage of geekness and galliness and all the beautiful stuff. Welcome back after a long hiatus, after three, four months after not doing this, but we're back and we have some brand new hosts that I'd like to share share with you and show you guys. So uh, we will start by introducing them. Uh, Lizzie, would you like to introduce yourself and, and say hi to the fandom of our tiny little podcast? Sure. Hi, my name is Lizzie. You can find me on most social medias as Lizzie Lemon Drop. Um, I'm really excited to get to be one of the new people here. Uh, I look forward to uh, making all of you listen to me go on big, long rants about uh, why horror movies and other other adjacent geek things are ext- actually very feminist, really. <laughs> yes, we have a, we have a, one of those dirty feminists here. <laughs> Yes, I know. I, I, I'm here to ruin all of the things that you love. We are the uh, SJW as... Army, and we're going to take everything you own. <laughs> That's my tagline in a lot of things. I'm an annoying feminist and we're here to ruin all the things you love. <laughs> Beautiful. That's kind of what we do here. <laughs> it's been our show. Um, Jazzy, would you like to also introduce yourself? Hey there, I'm Jazzy Oliver. You can find me on Twitter under Lady Jazzington. I'm a voice actress, um, and I'm mostly just here to tell you why that movie you think is awful is actually good, and you need to stop being mean already. Just, just stop being mean. <laughs> Be nice about it. Right. So Lizzie's here to ruin the things you love, and Jazzy's just like, stop being mean. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love all this. It's going to be a fun dynamic, and uh, so welcome to the show, and yeah, this is the show. This is just going to be us chatting and having fun, and and I hope, hope the audience likes and continues with this. <laughs> I hope we don't uh, scare you away by being not as entertaining. <laughs> no, you you are totally entertaining. You're, you're, you're wonderful and amazing, and this is why I asked you to be on my show. My show. Ooh, if I guess I guess it's now my show. <laughs> It used to be our show with our, with the which you'll actually see. Aaron will be back for one final episode that we can all send her off. Uh, and Eva is off doing her own thing. So yeah, it's just just me leading us us gals for the new adventure and for uh, n- new voyages. You're just gonna see like a wide variety of different content. You're gonna see interviews. You'll see individual episodes. You'll just see. We won't be the best at hitting schedules, but we will do our goddamn best. We will try. We will try. The try- trying is the important thing. Am I and, the only um, one here with ADHD? Oh, no, I have it too. Don't worry. Okay, I so have no idea. There we go. We're going we're gonna to do our best, but keep it the ADHD makes the scheduling, you know. <laughs> Worse. <laughs> Worse. No, it's 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 just life, you know, uh, life in quarantine, like life work working, life without vaccine, can't have access to vaccines, even though everybody wants a vaccine. <laughs> yeah, COVID was a thing, right? COVID was yeah. a thing. It's over now. Yeah, it's totally over. We can all just totally go out over. with no masks and we should COVID. go to all the restaurants. We should all go make out I, with each other and it'll be I fine. Got, I got one injection. That means it's all good now, right? <laughs> You got 50%. You're 50% good. Good enough for me. I like the odds. Halfway there. (laughs) 
Most definitely. Um, so I, I one thing that I want to keep the tradition that I think is super fun on the old show and it keeps the conversation flowing is I'm going to ask the good question. What are you watching, reading, listening to, whatever, anything? So I, I guess I'll start to just make things easy. I have been... Honestly, mostly reading trans stuff because my life is changing, and I don't I don't want to say too much on a, on a public podcast about certain private things. But I've been mainly just doing a lot of research and a lot a lot of a lot of soul searching and a lot of realizations and stuff. Um, and in terms of like listening, I actually have been listening to a lot of a show that I'm on every once in a while, the Violet Wanderers podcast. Uh, super fun show, super trans show, lots of different creators come on. Um, I wouldn't say listening to it if you have certain moral things that you can't <laughs> abide by, because it's a very, uh, let's just say, it's a way more vulgar show than this, but it's a blast. <laughs> I have super fun with it, uh, and they're also not not bigoted, so it's edgy but not bigoted, which is awesome. Uh, so yeah, listen to the Violet Wanderers because they're an amazing group of people and they make an amazing show. I also want to say that I'm listening to um, Escape from Vault Disney by our good friend Tony Goldmark, whose podcast is awesome. And if you want to learn about random Disney like shows on Disney Plus, totally worth it. Well, I especially uh, than- love Tony's. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I want to hear. I, mean, your I just especially love when Tony watches like a DCOM from two thousand and seven, and he's like, "I have no idea what this is." <laughs> Those are always the funniest episodes. Jesse, if you're not, are you familiar with the show or no? Uh, I the name of the guy sounds familiar, but I don't think I don't listen to. I can't believe you asked me to help with a podcast because I don't listen to podcasts as often as it. That actually makes you really good because you don't have the thoughts in your head about what it should and shouldn't be. You're just going to, like, be you. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show is essentially Tony, uh, who, you know, we, we may ask. We'll see what happens to be on our sh- little show. Uh, Tony Goldmark, YouTuber. Um, but he has created this podcast called Escape from Vault Disney, where every week he takes he takes a randomizer, puts all of Disney Plus's content into it, and then lets it go. And then they review, they watch and review whatever comes up. So just sometimes it's it's the weirdest things. Sometimes it's the things you most expect. So oh jeez. So it's a fun it's a fun podcast. Uh, good 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 time for an hour. I mean, obviously not nearly as good as this, but you know it's hard to reach that bar. Well, no one's as good as us. <laughs> All right. So any of you want to chime in on what you've been watching, reading, listening to, whatever? Um, I have a strange answer which is because the first two seasons got put up on netflix i was re-watching a nickelodeon sitcom okay known as iCarly. Oh, <laughs> just a little show called iCarly. just a little show totally no one's heard of it anyway but just uh, totally blown away by how horrible their web show was <laughs> <laughs> You watch it like this is not fun. The show itself is pretty funny still, but their web show within the show is like not good. You need to understand this is like late two thousand, so like cringe content ruled the plat ruled the platform of YouTube. So like, I don't want to pretend like there's it's easy to say oh they, they were the, the adult writers on the show were out of touch with the youth. I'm like I don't know if that's the case. 
I don't think it's an inaccurate reflection of what internet culture was like in 2007. Like, sh- shit was very random and weird and right, <laughs> not, right. And right. yelling random was what humor was. But That's, This is true. Um, I never actually watched the show because I'm a little bit older out of that age range for when it was, like, intended for. So that one missed by me, but I'm assuming it's a lot of Disney Channel-esque mugging at the camera, random, ra- random throwing things at the camera, getting covered in different substances sort of style. I know it's Nick, but it's but I'm just saying it's very similar to that, right? The thing you have to understand about Dan Schneider is that he is an out-of-touch white man trying to write for, like, I want to say a more middle school, maybe early high school audience. So. Oh, I grew up with all, with all that in the Amanda yeah. show. Right. You know, Dan, Dan Schneider least... was always aiming for the kids who were just aging out of the Disney Channel. Mm. Yeah. Or Nickelodeon specifically, but yes, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, you could argue whether or not his content was arguably good, but there's no denying that it, it had, like, what he makes has, like, has its own charms. Like, obviously, Drake and Josh survives mostly on meme culture, but, hey, it survives in the eyes of pop culture, so. But Drake, Drake and Josh was legit. Drake and Josh was great. I'll stay, yeah. I'll defend that one. Yeah, that one, yeah, that was fun. That one was fun. Uh, Keenan and Kel, was that that wasn't a Snyder thing, though, was it? Um, I Snyder. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. You said Snyder, so I'm thinking Zack Snyder's Keenan. Yes, <laughs> Zack Snyder's Keenan and Kel. It's all sepia tone. <laughs> Funny you say that, considering what I watched a couple days ago. Did oh, you watch no. the Snyder cut? Ah, yes, I did watch the Snyder I cut. Have not, bound to happen. I've, I've not yet decided if I'm willing to waste four hours of my life on that. <laughs> if I do see it, it's going to be in, in chapters, because at least Snyder had the good sense to put it in fucking chapters. It's still way too good. fucking long is the problem. <laughs> it is I, I, way I have too no long. doubts about that. At least we're not going to have like a repeat of the fucking... This um, Martin Scorsese discourse, discourse about how if you watch the was it the the and Irishman, Irishman and where... so I'm gonna say this thing. My mom really wanted to watch that movie, but my mom and dad like like they they it was long and and that so that splitting the Irishman up into I get, I sent my mom that like this is like the chunks you can watch it in and that was great and they got to watch it. so like I I I always found being mad about that really dumb. I mean, like, here's the thing, like, I do, like, if you are going to watch Justice League, I will say, watching it in those little segments that they divided into is probably the most ideal way. It's still way too long, and it's still mostly, it is still comprised of, like, 90% slow motion, but it is a more tolerable experience overall. Zack Snyder loves that slow motion, but not... No, no, like, here's the funny part. Like, um, so they do a thing with The Flash that's kind of similar to what the X-Men films did with uh, Quicksilver and then what Sonic tried to do with its titular hero, where, like, everything slows down around the speedy character and you're supposed to see the speedy character in regular motion as they're doing their thing. Uh, the but, bullet time. Yeah, they do that. He does that. But The Flash is also in slow motion, just not as slow motion as everything. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what it was. Right. It, and it's so weird because it's like it it's clearly trying to do what these other films are doing, but misses the misses the point. Right. Uh, did you see the Whedon cut? The original theatrical yes. cut? 
yeah, I, I saw seen that. the Whedon cut. Yeah, okay. I saw that in theaters for my birthday the year that came out, actually. So uh, happy birthday to me. I got to watch garbage. So. <laughs> I And I'm assuming the Snyder cut cuts out like my favorite moment from that movie. It's when even though I know the CGI is atrocious on Henry Cavill's face, I still really liked um, that little moment where the kids are filming him on their phones. I'm assuming yeah. that's cut from the Snyder cut. Yeah, that's yeah. gone. Any, just, anything where, where Cavill had the CGI removal, mustache removal. Uh, was also, yeah. any, any Whedon stuff, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much any and all Whedon. There is nothing that Whedon did that's in that movie. And I'll, I'll say by default, the Snyder Cut was a better movie. Still wasn't a good movie, I would still argue. It wasn't good, but... Again, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not so mad that it's four hours, only because I don't think when Zack Snyder was originally directing the movie, he intended it to be released as four hours. I think it's four hours because the idea is that this is a kitchen sink, like, here's everything I shot. Yeah, and then he also and, filmed some new stuff, which you can you can tell a lot of the new stuff because it doesn't fit into the rest of the movie at like, all. So. That's what I wish he had, like, Dan Olsen said this in a video, like, a year ago. Uh... Uh, but was basically like, I would have been way more interested in just, like, the work print that was there. Yeah. It, than, than whatever this, like, we added more stuff and finished a couple effects. Like, I wish they hadn't done that. I would have been way more interested in just seeing whatever your, like, three-hour work print was. Same, same. I would have been more interested in that because a lot of the added stuff doesn't really add anything to the movie. Because there's, um, don't know if you want me to go into spoilers, but I will say, um... Everything that they, like, obviously they mentioned that Jared Leto's back as, as the Joker. Every, like, the one scene they had with him, totally pointless. Could have cut it out. And Oh, I, I'm not surprised by that in one of the slightest. There's no reason for that. I saw this clip on Twitter of Batman. I understand that the Joker scene is supposed to be, like, an alternate dream reality whatever. Mm-hmm. Or the future. But he said where he says Harley Quinn died and I, that, I wanted to punch the screen. I was like, no. I don't care what alternate future this is. Harley Quinn is not dead. Harley yeah. Quinn did not die before the Joker. Don't you dare tell me that. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, it's, no, it, it still wasn't good. Like, it was a movie, the Snyder Cut was a fascinating movie to watch out of the most morbid of curiosity because I was interested, I'm always interested in alternate cuts of movies, even mm-hmm. bad movies, because I'm interested to see if they're better or worse by the edition by the stuff that's brought back and put into the movie. This was a movie that was basically a better, more, slightly more competent Justice League. That's and not I do, surprising. But it's kind of, ha- like, I don't want to watch it again. I will probably not watch it again for three big reasons. One, four hours. I get, like, and yeah. four hours didn't need it. Two, um, the four by three aspect ratio that they do instead of the traditional widescreen is annoying. Yeah, why did they do, is there like an actual reason for that? Why they chose so, to do that? So Snyder apparently filmed it for IMAX and by his logic, the four by three aspect ratio makes the superheroes look taller. <laughs> Zach is a filmmaker that does things, but he doesn't understand how and- they work. Who who had that quote about um oh now I'm forgetting what it was the movie where John Travolta played an alien with the bad battle 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 battlefield battlefield battle, battle battle well who Sorry. was the critic that said about <laughs> battlefield earth the director has seen other movies where they tilt the camera but he doesn't understand why they do that that was uh, so, Roger that was Roger Ebert was it Roger Ebert yeah okay yeah like it, it's like it's 
I feel like Zack Snyder has a lot of those. I don't think Zack Snyder's an incompetent filmmaker. He, he has his moments. And I will admit, this film did have a lot of good stuff. Like, everything with Cyborg, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. And if nothing else, I'm happy for Ray Fisher this cut got out because the theatrical cut did him dirty. God. Oh, I yeah. Well, um, listening to Ray Fisher's stories about his experience with that movie and Whedon has just been, like... Yeah, no, 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 no. This, like... Like, this version of the film gave him his entire backstory and gave him the... Really, he was the only character in the entire film who I would say had an arc, so... So, and he was my favorite character as a result because I liked everything he was doing. But the third big reason I will probably not rush to see this movie again is the color palette because... Zach... Zach, filters. Did, movie. did color run oh did 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 a rainbow of colors hit like run over your family as a child why do you hate why do you hate decent color grading so much i you know what it's weird is that that color grading that the, the tone is so weird because he directed watchmen which i i still feel is a visually good movie it, it doesn't it doesn't have nearly that many saturated sort of approaches to a lot of it there's still a lot of super bright colors in that movie well, sure it's Watchmen go ahead had this ha... watch i'm sorry i interrupt a little bit no it's okay it's fine <laughs> Watchmen had that it it was really like it had it... the color grading Watchmen was so interesting because snyder knew when the color needed to pop out mm-hmm. is yeah. it wasn't a uniformly colorful movie it was that he knew where you needed to have the color and he seems to have just forgotten that lesson entirely yeah, exactly and, and it's made that. even worse in this movie when superman shows up because they gave him a black suit and it's like the it's like now now i can never really tell what he's doing on screen because he blends in with everything even more than he usually did do people think actually think the black suit looks good because i've always thought it looks terrible yeah even people are comic. saying oh this suit looks awesome and it's like the weird thing was the um the Man of Steel Superman suit doesn't look bad on its own. It's when the color grading is put in where it looks bad. Like, if you'd, like, look at, like, like on-set photos or, hell, I'll even say it, in the Whedon cut it looked good because <laughs> because that because credit words do, that film had color. Well, I've always felt the same way about Wonder Woman's costume. I loved the, des- the, the redesign of her costume from the get, but I always hated... Until, like, Wonder Woman proper came out. Like, when mm-hmm, Batman right. v Superman came out, I was just like, why is there no color in her costume? The design is great. It manages to still look like the Wonder Woman costume while feeling a lot more, like, ancient Greek in its aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really great. I was like, but why is there no color to it? It ruins it. It's because it's not. Right, right. And it's not because the costumes are bad. It's because the color grading on these movies is awful. Yeah, the costume designs for these films... I actually think are great. I think yeah. they they have some excellent costume design. I always thought about that about Man of Steel too, like the Kryptonian armor and stuff. It always oh, looked really interesting and unique, and and it just feels like it's done just done a, a giant disservice by Snyder putting it through this darker lens. It wasn't it, until Wonder Woman and any film that came out after Justice League where the colors of these like how good these costumes look start costumes look started to really. Shazam. Come to life. Shazam. Shazam. The Shazam yeah. costume that looked great. Um, Shazam. In the Aquaman movie, his co- like his costume, especially after he does the trial and gets like the full gold and green armor, that looked great. Well, I especially, and I know that Amber Heard is not um, Earth's favorite person right now. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna get. Well, I'm not. We, we don't have to wade into that whole thing. 
but Amber Heard's like hair in that movie, I, I understand it doesn't look real, but I loved how much the costume and makeup on her made her look like Ariel. Yeah, I like, like, I'll say this, watching the Snyder Cut made me appreciate the costumes in Aquaman because both Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe appear in this movie and <laughs> their costumes in Justice League look awful. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> Willem Dafoe, my friend put it best, I remember he was watching it sometime after I did and his exact message to me was, or I think it was on Twitter, he was live tweeting, he said, why does Willem Dafoe look like Grima Wormtongue from the Lord of the Rings movies? <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, he kind of does. <laughs> he looks like he's supposed to be the bad guy, but he's not. No, he's not. One of the few times Willem Dafoe is supposed to be one of the decent characters. Poor Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh my god. It's... You know, um, what's interesting too is that James Wan is a director who works a lot in the dark of his horror and stuff. But but he's such a great, competent like not only visual but but good storyteller that his films work to me extremely well and which is kind of disappointing with Aquaman uh personally I mean Aquaman's a fun enough movie but it doesn't do enough but one one thing I will give it a lot of credit for is uh just how visually it how how damn good it looks it Aquaman's a great looking movie visually oh. it's outstanding and yeah. yeah James Wan is a like the only uh, then again, the only other James Wan film I saw prior to Aquaman was the original Saw, so that's how out of date I was oh, with his movies Con- going in. Have you seen Conjuring? Seen the Conjuring? I have not seen the Conjuring. No. It's good. I I really loved James Wan as a choice for Aquaman. I thought it was one of the more interesting. Like it reminded me of when they first announced that James Gunn was directing Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was just such an out of the box decision that I was like, oh, this is gonna be cool. Whether or not it's good, this movie's going to be cool. <laughs> right. It's also why I liked um, David F. Sandberg for the choice to do Shazam. Cause... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just Warner Brothers using their horror wheelhouse of directors. <laughs> and I think horror directors oddly work because they know how to work, how to make decent, they know how to make good films on smaller budgets. So let's give them all the budget now. Mm-hmm. Well, I always say some of my favorite art comes from when, um, you take a, a really raunchy R-rate, R-rated director and you say, now you need to make something that is family friendly. And I think that sometimes that brings, I think a lot of the time that brings out like the, the most, cre- their best creativity. Right. Is it gets I think really... I agree with that. I feel like people put under certain pressures can make the best art. You know? Nicholas Meyer, who directed two Star Trek films, Wrath of Khan and The Undiscovered Country, once famously said that art thrives on like, restrictions like challenges <laughs> like i mean i mean there's a reason why um uh there's a reason why i'm gonna say it the big word star wars <laughs> the uh the 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 prequels aren't nearly as good it's because lucas had too much control too much not enough pushback you there know weren't enough people telling him no no like this is a bad idea because if you go back to the original trilogy there was a lot of obstacles for those films you know? Yeah, because the Star Wars didn't have as big a name as it did, as it does nowadays. Nowadays, it's a juggernaut, and it's a. I mean, it's a most t- people thought it was gonna fail. Yeah, nowadays Star Wars is a term I do my best to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, this that that the certain discussion is uh, some I, of the most toxic. I love Star Wars. It's one of mm-hmm. my favorite things 
like my favorite pop culture geek things. Like I love Star Wars, and I realize and, that that sounds super interesting. Really. But like I, I never ever talk about it anymore because I'm so exhausted with it. Like so exhausted. I don't. I, I, I am so sick of listening to people debate Star Wars. Like I, I kind of watched the last movie more out of obligation than anything else. Not that I didn't. Yeah. Not that I'm one of those people who disliked the Last Jedi. I actually enjoyed it, but like. I was so tired of people talking about it, like, you know, like everyone was going on and on and like going at each other for whether or not it's a good movie. And it's like, can we just like, like have a, be civil about this? I was straight up not going to watch The Mandalorian. I was so burned out and done with Star Wars. The only reason I watched season one of The Mandalorian was the Baby Yoda memes got to me. That's fair. But I was, I was like, I, I'm so sick of, st- I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of listening of, to the discourse around it. And it was, it was the same, really, with me for Rise of Skywalker. I was hyped for Last Jedi, and then Rise of Skywalker was such an obligation of just like, well, it's a Star Wars movie. I need to go see. It. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's just one of those franchises where I'm a fan of it, but then when I just see the fandom, I get annoyed. Like, there's a lot of different series that. Uh, I'm a fan of, but I avoid fandom discussions with like right. uh, Ruby is a big Ruby is a big one. It's like I avoid that fandom like the plague. Steven Universe is a big one for me. I'm like I'm good to not ever talk to any of you people. <laughs> yeah, it's oh god. For a show that's that's such about love and, and acceptance and forgiveness and understanding, it has some really toxic elements, and I'm just like. Are we watching the same fucking show? I know. Like, are you watching the show? Why? The show is fundamentally supposed to be about, like, healing and forgiveness and love. And, you know, I don't really, like, why are you Why are you talking about it like you want it to be a war epic? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's Complete like, misunderstanding. Yeah, it's like, I, I often hear some of the, like, I haven't, like, I often hear some of the very weird ass criticisms I hear of Steven Universe from parts of its fandom and it's like and it and I'm kinda and I kinda sit there and I'm like, do people forget this show's for children primarily? I swear. Yeah. So, sorry, it just popped, popped into my head now. Don't get me started on the the My Little Pony fandom. Oh bronies. Oh don't don't oh. get me started on the bronies. And that's and I don't even need to. You everybody knows. Everybody knows the problems with the bronies. We don't need I don't even need to. Then maybe that's not. See, we're getting into toxic fan, fan like <laughs> fandoms, which is. I mean, I mean, this is kind of how it goes, though, when you're a geek online. I'm surprised it took this long to get to toxic fandoms, considering I brought up Zack Snyder. So. I know we really managed to sidestep that part of that. <laughs> the only reason we brought, brought up fucking Snyder is because I said Snyder instead of Schneider. <laughs> right, and I was gonna bring up that I watched the Snyder Cut because you were gonna ask me what no, am I, what am I watching? It's, it's topical. It needs to be discussed. This is something that, and I I I will see that movie eventually, eventually. Eventually. Yeah, I I'd, I'd say it's not worth like I I know a lot of people are going like, oh man, this movie's so freaking great. It's an art film, and I'm just like, it was a it was another superhero movie. You know? no, no, you don't understand. It's a masterpiece, and if you don't say it's a masterpiece, you are a complete evil person hater deserving film. of being uh, harassed and stalked and and attacked for for years. If you don't it's, say it's a masterpiece, it's funny because I remember I tweeted about um how the four by three aspect ratio was really bothering me because I don't have the best eyesight, so 
the four by three aspect ratio combined with the color grading of that movie, it was just so hard for me to see anything. And I was like, this is a miserable experience for me. And like someone was like, it's not that bad, Jazzy. And I'm like, and I'm like, you don't have a shitty eye, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's What's your that's... eyesight like. Honestly, that just feels like a giant excuse. We're going to put it in 4 by 3 to maintain the quality of this film. I don't know. No, no, I don't, literally, there's a disclaimer at the beginning of the movie that says it is in 4 by 3 to preserve the vision of director Zack Snyder. <laughs> and, as soon as I, and, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Not to get too political, but this is a... This is going to be a partially political show. We're already getting it. We're waving into it. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it. There's a there's a Fountainhead reference in it, isn't there? Oh, of course there I didn't, is. I didn't notice it. I just no, I, I didn't notice I it. The, I saw the image that someone posted on um on Twitter about it, and I I don't I don't want to like jump into go like oh this is completely real, but it did did look really real. Well, so Snyder's I, making an adaptation of the Fountainhead, isn't he? Or did that get nixed? His company is named is named Atlas. Yeah, like the thing about Snyder is he likes injecting of objectivist philosophy into his work. Like one reason a lot of people really don't like the, his version of Superman is because the character, from my understanding, keep in mind, I'm talking as someone who doesn't know what who doesn't know much about this philosophy, so I wouldn't know. I just think he's a bland character, and that was the and that was the end of my point on it. But I'm aware people who look deeper into this thing have told have informed me that a lot of Superman's actions and attitudes and philosophies in these movies are more in line with on on rand objectivism objectivism and I'm just thinking, oh God. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of fit if you like look it through through that lens. Not exactly, but enough is there. I don't want to um, muddy a point that Jewish people have made better than me, but something I've heard a lot of Jewish people point out is that in forcing Superman into the box of Jesus, um, when... Snyder has really like muddied the fact that Superman is a is Moses. He's an right. is a, he's a, and, and functions a lot more as a Jewish allegory, and you're kind of stripping him of that to to fit him into your into this box of a philosophy that doesn't actually align with with the character that existed in the comics. Right, because he was made by um, two Jewish comic creators, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not big on comic knowledge, but I know that much. <laughs> yeah, that should be... I mean, like, a lot of the... A lot of early comic creators of who we know are Jewish. Like, that's kind of, like, is ingrained into comics in general. Which is weird to see the, like, groups like Comicsgate come about <laughs> and decide to be horrible... Because they don't even get, like, a fraction of where this entire thing started. Right. Um, but, yeah, just... Oh, jeez. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's interesting when people tell me, like, all this on-ran shit is in, the, is in the new Superman stuff. Because I don't notice it. Because I don't know much about objectivism or on-ran. I read, I read one book of hers that I was forced to read in high school, and I hated everything about it. So. Was it Atlas Shrugged? It was uh, Anthem. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't imagine any anything other than Atlas Shrugged being approved for high school reading, too. But. Uh, I don't know. My school, my school was weird. I, I went to a Catholic school, so. Okay, never mind then. 
So uh, Anthem was an interesting choice of reading material. It was uh, very boring, and the sentence structure felt like I, I wanted to bang my head against the desk with yeah, the sentence take. structure. Ayn Rand was not a good author. She was not a good writer. No, she was not. Wasn't. She's it not. Was, I, like, I read I, one book of hers, and it was one of her mercifully short ones. I'm not one to jump on the, if I don't like this person's philosophy, that means they're bad at their field of art. Like, there's plenty of people who I don't like, but who I acknowledge are good at whatever it is they do. Ayn Rand just isn't, Ayn Rand was not a good actor. Or actor, Ayn Rand was not a good writer. She's probably I mean, not she a good probably, actor either. Yeah, but. probably wasn't. <laughs> That's not the point I was making. Sorry, because my, my, my brain immediately went to, um... Went went to like um, James Woods and like other like Republican. Oh god, actors. I get I get I get and what I you're like, saying. Yeah, yeah I, I was like, they're a good actor, even if I think that they're a shitty person. Uh, and yeah. I'm not. Yeah, but 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 yeah. yeah, I don't think Ayn Rand was not a good writer and was not a good communicator of her ideas. And it's amazing to me that she's had the the reach that she she has with her books, considering how awful and sluggish they are to read. Right, right, and it's like. Keep in mind the anthem is a is a short novel is a short like uh, novella I think was the proper term for it it was like a hundred and something pages it like so I can't imagine reading this bad sentence structure and just this bad storytelling on a larger scale with something like Atlas Shrugged so I haven't even att- I haven't even attempted it just because I value my sanity yeah I'm that's good. a lie I don't value my sanity but <laughs> I don't value mine much either uh, I I value my time though <laughs> fair yeah 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 that's understandable I, and I, I would say i value my time but i watch the snyder cut so i clearly don't <laughs> i very clearly don't no it's okay a lot of people don't <laughs> <laughs> and i guess we don't because we're spending time on a podcast so i'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> this is the best use of our time what are you talking about Actually, you know what? This is a this is a great time so far. <laughs> yeah, fair do. Is there is there any other thing that you've been watching, enjoying, reading, thinking about, contemplating, uh, <laughs> analyzing, mm. and any other word with ing? Oh God, uh, <laughs> I've been I stream on my Twitch channel and I've been playing through the Danganronpa series, which has been quite the trip. So. Oh, that's fun. Uh, it's interesting because I played the games years ago, didn't think much of them, and then I play them now and I realize, holy shit, there's a lot that's problematic in some bits. <laughs> that's amazing, though. When you look back at, at art you love or stories and you just find the problematic things in it and you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like... It's like um, there was one bit during the second chapter of the game where... Um, they were playing a, like, so the point of Danganronpa is it's a bunch of murder mysteries, and they were playing a gender reveal card on the victim of this game's second chapter, and it was done so poorly. I During the entire stream, I'm just like, everyone watching this, I'm sorry. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. I hate this. Yeah. Ugh. It's just, it's, it's weird. Um, you know, when I've had those moments when you're, I would say, like, when you're trans, but you don't, you grew up not really understanding that about yourself, 
and then you go back to something that you love because you want to just enjoy something from the past and then you're slapped in the face with something that's so offensive to who you are as a person whereas it's just like Welcome to you playing the first Danganronpa. I hope the second yeah. one isn't nearly as problematic because, oh boy, I remember adoring that one. So well, It's really, really hard to watch. Oh, more so, honestly, than even older decades. I find 2000s comedies mm-hmm. just mm. hate queer people mm-hmm. in a way that it's just so uncomfortable. Yeah. And I... Uh- I I don't understand why it was such an intense. There's there's a there's a whole oeuvre to the comedy, both horror, the comedy and horror movies, and and just regular comedy to that decade that is just really really frat boy y, I guess. But it's just it it, it hates queer people think, so much. I think it might have to do with the Bush administration, because I feel like certain artistic movements are reflections, obviously, of the times that they live in. And I feel like with the rise of conservatism. In that that regard, there was a lot of art that sort of reflected that, kind of like how Reaganism reflected the art of the 80s. I feel like there's some parallels to that. Like, I feel like what you're mentioning, the frat boy sort of comedy, comes from this conservative back trying to regain something old, but also trying to grasp around being new and being modern and trying to be edgy. Like, you know what I mean? It feels like a weird combination i could talk a lot um about how the bush about the direct relationship between the bush administration and the and horror of the yeah. of the 2000s despite the fact that the 2000s is probably my least favorite decade of horror it's the one that i think about the most partly because it's the one i grew up in mm-hmm. um but so i i could talk for just like ever about that but the bush administration like really really and and most specifically, you know, 9-11 and then the Abu Ghraib torture program and stuff, like, really changed the way we make horror films and our perspective on how, on violence in film. And it it's just it's just a very, very interesting time when you especially when, when you directly look at what was going on in in the US at, in that decade. Oh sure. yeah. It's an ugly it's an ugly period to look back on. You know? I mean, the, there's a reason why the torture porn, like, genre exists. I mean, it's if you look at it through a sociopolitical lens, it's just like, oh, yeah, because the U.S. was torturing people. You know? Like, and there's a direct direct relation with that. There, there's, it's, it's... Different movies are saying different things about that as an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the first Saw movie is being a lot more introspective about the effectiveness and ethics of of what that is, as opposed to say the Hostel movies, which um, I'm not gonna say are empty. I think that there's a, a lot of interesting readings to be had on the Hostel franchise, but mm-hmm. the Hostel movies I think have a much more jingoistic perspective than the Saw franchise did. Yeah. You know, if we're gonna compare the two big torture porn franchises from that decade, uh, but it's. It's a very male decade, I found, for film in general, too. Which I think, I do not love Jennifer's body, and I won't go on that rant now, but I think that's part of why Jennifer's body right now is having this resurgence in popularity, is because it was a horror comedy about women from a decade that was so very, very, very straight, white, male-centric uh, in its in its films. Oh, you're right. Yeah. It was definitely very straight, white, male-dominated. It's always so bizarre to see films that are like 
kids that were considered not good kind of have this odd resurgence or like are reevaluated a bit. <laughs> I yeah. feel like through social context and clues and then people change and stuff, I feel like that allows for reevaluation to occur, you know? Well, and on Megan Fox specifically, a lot of people are coming to the realization that Megan Fox was uh, slandered by the media yeah. just horrifically in a way she did not deserve. Right. In a way really no person deserves. And and so I think people are trying to reevaluate like reevaluate her specifically quite a, quite a bit, which is good, even if I don't particularly like any of the movies she was in still. <laughs> Is good. Uh, you know, good I don't think a, an, a, an actress or some or someone should be di- directly considered responsible for the the work that they happen to be involved in. I don't think actors sure. or actresses should be. I mean, unless they like specifically choosing to be part of something that's super problematic and then they can keep defending that role. But if they're in the project and it just happens to not be good, I mean, like, live, levy that shit at the producers or the director or the writer. You know, it's always. It's always weird to me when someone's work is defined by a bad movie. Like, I remember when, um, this even happens recently, I remember when Robert Pattinson got announced to play Batman, there were so many people going nuts about it just because it's like, I don't want Edward Cullen to play Batman, and I'm like, he's not Edward Cullen, though! He's been well, in so many movies since then, right? Exactly, he's a, it's he's been a, a dude. He's an actor, he's not actually Edward Cullen, guys, he played it's- the guy in a movie it's been a decade and robert pattinson and christian stewart both have spent that decade making like weird and interesting films like neither of them immediately jumped onto new franchises like they kind of took their clout and their money and were like let's do some weird stuff Mm -hmm. for the next 10 years and they've both proven themselves as good actors my and perception still be holding on to the twilight anger at to either of them now is just it's so pointless to me to be holding on to a franchise like Twilight when it's a film series that lived and died in the time it came out. Like once it was done, the any hype for that franchise was dead. <laughs> so it's like I and it is like, you know, people act like it's just a sin to have been a part of it or something, something that should have ended their career. And it's like I'm just sitting here thinking, they got paid. It's I mean, a dumb vampire movie series. Like, I've voiced in things that aren't, like, I've, like, there have been things I voice acted in years ago that weren't particularly good, but in some of those cases, I got paid, so I don't... Right, it's a paycheck, you're working. Right, it's my, well, it's, it's like, as a working actor, I could just tell you, it's my job. It's my fucking People job. need to work. People need to build yeah. their careers. And not every single actor is going to love every single thing that they're in. Like, generally... I'm, I'm definitely with you on that, which is that uh, film ultimately is a collaborative medium that involves a lot of people. And you maybe the director, because they are ultimately the person whose name is uh, attached to the film, then they are get the buck stops with them at the end of the day. But really, you cannot place full praise or full blame on any one person in a film because right, it is like, such a fundamentally collaborative uh, form of art. Like, um like I, I talk about this a lot because I'm I'm in a like I do voice work for a Batman fan project so the topic of Batman movies comes up uh Joel Schumacher who directed both Batman Forever and Batman and Robin he kind of became 
in the eyes of the fandom, kind of just this black mark on this franchise when it's like the guy was just trying to make an entertaining movie and he had to contend with studio bullshit. I, <laughs> I think the reputation he got after those movies was a bit unfair on the man. I don't forgive the legion of, of Batman fanboys who turned Joel Schumacher into like the Satan. Yeah, I, I don't do not either. forgive I any of them. No. The poor man. And I'm not going to say he was like a, the greatest filmmaker of a generation or anything like that, but he was a perfectly competent filmmaker who had made plenty of other, like he made The Lost Boys, like he made, he made plenty of other great films yeah. in his life, and he deserves to be appraised for all of that and not just the Batman movie that you didn't like because it had gay jokes in it. Right, and yeah, a lot of the homophobic shit that got thrown at him for Batman and Robin, especially, which it's like, which it's like, it, it's kind of funny because I because I because I am one of the few people you'll meet who found Batman and Robin to be at the very least entertaining. Because oh, I'm I, very entertained by Batman and Robin. I think a lot of people are, to be honest. It is it is a movie I went back and reevaluated not that long after I had seen Batman v Superman for the first time, and I was sitting there and I'm like. This really isn't that bad, honestly. Batman and Robin is better than Batman v Superman. I will agree with, and I that is not Ben Affleck's fault, to be clear. Another no, actor it that isn't. everyone got I, really mad at when he got announced as Batman for some I reason. I don't blame him. Daredevil, I right? I don't. Because he was bad in Daredevil in two thousand and four. I don't take any issues. That bad that movie. I don't take any issues with the. I don't take any issues with the cast in Batman v Superman. In fact, I'll say. Um, I'm going to go up to bat and say Jesse Eisenberg got way too much flack for, for his role. I mean, yeah, well, that also was not his fault. I think Jesse writing. Eisenberg played the character that was written. Right. Um, I agreed with someone's assessment that perhaps that character should not have been called Lex Luthor. I agree. And, uh, but, but at the same time, that's not Eisenberg's fault, fault as an actor. Yeah. He was asked to play the role Snyder asked him to, and he did it, and he did it fine, so... Yeah, he's a good actor, so he like, played it well. He was supposed to play an over-the-top jackass who talks about bullshit philosophy, that guy in your high school class who thinks he's smart talks about all the time. <laughs> play your character from the social network if he went even more insane. That's fair. Honestly, it's a... I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there, and I think it's a... If it wasn't Lex Luthor, it's a good performance. Right, it's right. It's an entertaining performance, in the very least. I would say some of the most entertaining part of that film, because he at least had a different energy than the rest of the cast, right? Well, he was I, at I, least he provided some of the few laughs I had with the movie. Whether or not they were intentional is a different story, but right. Eisenberg knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. I think they gave him the character to play, and I think he played that character really well. It just was not a the character that was written wasn't like Luther. Right, but... I, I was super down for that rumor from a few years before Batman v Superman came out. There was a rumor that The Rock was going to do it, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> Have The Rock play Lex Luthor! But no, now he's Black Adam, apparently, so... Yes, he Which is. I am equally up for. Is he's So Black Adam's going to be, like, an anti-hero in this version? Like, I, they're not going to just make him as a Shazam villain? I think he's a villain. He's just going to have a movie that focuses on him first, and then he's going to be the antagonist in the Shazam sequel. That's that's his, that's what my understanding dictates. I could be wrong, because DC's always changing what they're doing with their movies every five seconds. Like, I swear, 
just a couple weeks ago, I swear that new Pattinson Batman film was part of the DCEU, but now apparently it's not. So I, I'm done trying to track any of that. The same way I've been done trying to follow the comic, the DC Comics universe, honestly, as well. I just, I'm fo- following the same principle I do with the comics, which is that I care about what Harley Quinn is doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just mostly go, if the film looks good, I'll probably go watch it. Or if I have any, even the most morbid of curiosity, I will watch it and see what I have to say about it, but I don't expect much at this point, but hey, Snyder Cut aside, I, and Wonder Woman 84 aside, I think post-Justice League films for DC have been okay, so. I still need to see Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I was really excited about it, and then I did not hear a single good thing after it came out, which upset me, so I was like, I There's some I'm good things, it. but it's just mu- a muddy film. Yeah, it, it it's not a, it's not an awful it's not an awful film. It's just one I didn't really enjoy, but I didn't regret watching. Right. And I think and I think it's weird that um apparently I was looking at the Razzie nominations and Kristen Wiig got nominated for her performance for Worst Supporting Actress, and I'm like, how she played the role fine. Well, the Razzies have been uh, the, Razzies the Razzies have suck. ceased to be amusing for a very suck. long time. Like the Razzies are not like. They're a bullying organization at this point. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. I, w- I saw their nominations for this year, and it's some of the laziest garbage I've seen. And it's weird to me that critically panned films or even films that kind of have this bad reputation to them, like neither Artemis Fowl or the Mulan remake got a single <laughs> nomination, which I am calling bullshit on. <laughs> like Artemis Fowl should have gotten worst picture at least. So what you're saying is Artemis is foul? <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no high fives for you. I, uh, but no, my sense of humor was terrible. <laughs> well, <laughs> but no, like, the films that got nominated are just, it, it, it's weird choices. Like, I don't even remember most of them. I know that Sia film, that, that totally not controversial oh. Sia film got nominated for quite a bit. But then they nominated the... I know she's 18 now, but they nominated the girl, the 14-year-old actress who mm. all these stories about how emotionally abused she was on that set, like. Yeah, I think it's disgraceful it's that fault. they nominated her for worst supporting actress, considering she it's like she already went through enough shit already. Leave her alone. And then Kate, leave... and then uh, Sorry, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson also got nominated for her performance in that movie for worst actress, and I'm and I, I never saw the movie, adults. but I. I never saw the movie, but I heard she was, like, one of the few good things people talked about with that movie. Like, It feels like, oh, this movie's controversial. We're going to nominate it for things. Like, it's a matter of, did you talk about it? Is it going right. to get us attention if we put this on our list? Right. The Razzies seem to forget that you can have a bad movie that still has good performances in it. Like, Seems like their nominations are just designed to get clickbait. Yeah. Pretty much. Sure. And it's like... Yeah, it's like, like I said, I don't agree with nominating Maddie Ziegler for music, and I don't agree with nominating Kristen Wiig for Wonder Woman 84, because, just for di- for different reasons, but. Yeah, no, her performance in that movie was not bad. Like, right, it's like, the performances in Wonder Woman 84 were not the problem, so. No. I am, at this point, mostly my, my operation with DC, though, is I, I will look for the movies that look good to me and I will watch them and yeah, I don't pretty, think I need to follow it the same way the MCU entices me to follow what's happening 
Right. And even then with the MCU, I am a casual viewer at best. So with both, I'm just kind of watching what's interesting to me at this point. So I will probably be watching everything that both studios put out. Whether or not it's on time is going to vary, but I kind of keep up with superhero stuff. But that's just me. I have not yet decided if I'm going to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, part of me wants to because I expect that it's going to be good, but the other part of me is like, but Bucky is not an interesting character, so I don't. It's know. good. It's it's I'm, good. It's very. I'm good. still yeah. bitter. I'm I'm still too bitter about the Wandavision ending to give a shit right now. It's like it's like call me in a month and I'll probably watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I I really like the first episode. It does a good job of getting to know these characters, and I feel like Bucky is the most interesting. I wouldn't say part of the show, but I will say that they do a great job of humanizing him and making him fascinating. Yeah, does Sebastian Stan finally get to act? Yes. <laughs> because they haven't let him act since Captain America, the first Avenger. <laughs> his, uh, his performance is very good. I, it's okay. multifaceted. Yeah, Bucky has always been kind of a mixed bag for me as a character, just because... because the just didn't know what to do with him. I liked him fine in the first Avenger, um, he was ironically the weakest part of the Winter Soldier. The soldier? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wasn't he? He was like, like I remember when I was watching this film fully for the first time, I was like, you know, the weakest part of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is the Winter Soldier. And then in Civil War, it felt like he didn't even need to be there because there was already enough shit going on in that movie. It was just kind of an extra thing. And I, really, I actually, I guess on some level, I can appreciate that Bucky's got really got put into the position that so many female characters tend to get put in and that he more than anything else was just kind of a prop for Steve <laughs> to like motivate Steve to do stuff pretty much yeah more or less yeah more than his own character for pretty much the entire so now that Steve's gone they have to let him be his own character now so I'm mm-hmm. I want I, I want to be excited for it you should be it's good okay it's good. It's um I will say it's slower than you probably expect, but it's it does I think it does a good job of setting things up. First if episode. It goes for the, if it goes for like the big spy story angle that the Winter Soldier movie did, I'll probably be super into it because I really liked like flaw of the titular soldier aside, I really like the Winter Soldier as a movie, so Oh, fun. Winter Soldier's great. It was a fun um, action movie that I that was one of the first marvel movies to honestly kind of exceed my expectations so not not saying that the show isn't devoid of action sequences it's got action sequences but it also does focus a lot on the human aspect of the characters and stuff right that's Uh, what i enjoyed about wandavision until its last episode but like i enjoyed how character-centric wandavision was for most of it that was my problem with the last episode of WandaVision 2, is it was too heavy on the action. I didn't mind you doing action in the last episode. It's the last episode. You should. But I felt like too much of it. Wait. I, I wanted less action and more Catherine Hahn just being Catherine Hahn, honestly. Yeah. I I, I, um, I don't mind the last episode of that. I don't want to spoil anything because it's so kind of fresh. But but I, I like that show all the way through, even though... I think I do agree to some extent, even though I still really liked it. Regardless, I still liked it. I'm not mad about the ending. I just would. I don't. I don't know. I just felt like you, they stretched it out. Like it could have just been shorter. Probably. If I mean, they like, shortened the action a bit and uh, 
had better resolution for Wanda and the town. Not not so much Wanda, Vision, and the family. That was fine. But Wanda and the town, I felt, lacked so much resolution. So, and well, maybe it's all just set up for Multiverse Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Is Sam Raimi still directing that? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. That's, That's going to be great. Exciting. Yeah. I'm mainly excited for that just to see the classic Spidey actors again because it, like hearing that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in it just is a lot is enough to just get me to say, "Okay, I'm into this. Let's see how this goes." Wait, for Multiverse or for Spider Spider-Man 3? I thought both. I don't know. I hear conflicting reports. I've heard that Multiverse of Madness is going to like dip into the Raimi universe and stuff. Right. Well, that's a rumor right now. I don't. Right. And then, I of hope course, that's the case. That'd be so cool. <laughs> um, was it? I, I but I, I will go back to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Is that I think it's only six episodes. So I think your problem of maybe the stretching it out might actually be solved. And I think Falcon and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, depending on how things go, has the potential to be a little bit more of a cohesive little whole. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. feel like it's going to have... I mean, it's, it's going to... It's not re- trying as hard to be set up for another movie. Right. It's just kind of ending... Resol- resolving this little situation where it's... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. So since I know you both haven't okay. seen it yet. But uh, okay. it's it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the memes already of... <laughs> of the new cap. Yeah, I've seen right? a couple. Oh, the new cap, yeah. It's about wanting quality video games. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I decided to, to jump in. in games journalism. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> game had to had to skewer Gamergate in there a little bit, you know? Everyone else was jumping in. I had to... No one else was saying about, about, about GG. I had to bring up that conversation again. <laughs> That's what I call a pro gamer move. Ha ha, funny joke. You sounded like Rorschach there for a sec- second. <laughs> funny, funny joke. Everyone laughs. Roll on snare drum. Something like that. That's that's the line from the movie or the right. comic. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> good, good, good. I, I didn't know if anyone would get it. I mean, we were talking about Watchmen earlier, so I think we, we were what, been a hot talking minute. about Watchmen. It's been a hot minute since I've seen Watchmen, though. Mm. Yeah. You know what? That's another movie that has a ridiculously long extended cut. I've never seen the extended cut. So there's there's three cuts. There's a theatrical yeah. release. There's a director's cut that's over three hours. I think three hours and like five or ten minutes. And then there's the extended edition, which inserts the sequences of the animated Tales from the Black Freighter separate thing that they did into mm-hmm. the story, like the comic. I think that, that sounds neat. I I think I only ever saw the theatrical cut. Uh, my yeah. first exposure was the director's cut, and I enjoyed that quite a bit, honestly. So I saw theatrical, and then I saw director's. I have the extended, but I don't think I watched it all. Because it was like three and a half hours. Three hours, 45. <laughs> it's a long fucking movie. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, you add like the 30 to 40 minutes from that animated Black Freighter spinoff D- Blu-ray DVD they had. Or I guess DVD at the time. Well, no. 
Blu-ray was around. Okay. Blu-ray would have been around in 2008. <laughs> right? 2009. Yes. I forget. I I have to remind myself that I'm old. So. <laughs> I am old. Did the thing exist when I was a child? Lizzie, is the new movie coming out on VHS? I need to get my. I get. I need to get a tape. <laughs> We gotta go down to the mom and pop video store and rent the tape. Don't worry, I'm sure you'll. You I'm sure it? you'll find. I'm sure you'll find one at your local blockbuster. <laughs> don't forget to rewind it. It's rude if you yeah, don't. Please be kind. <laughs> I remember I had VHS tapes when I was a kid, but uh-huh. I never needed to. I was young enough that I never rewinded them. Like my parents did it for me. So when I was 12, and I was at um. My sister's house, uh, when she was staying, when she was in college and living with her roommates, I didn't understand why you had to rewind the VHS, even though I did have them as a kid. I was like, what's going on? Because I had never needed to rewind them. <laughs> God, I really feel like the, I really think, I'm probably the youngest one here then, because I only remember VHS for like the first few years of my life, and then it was DVDs, so. Like, it was mostly DVDs, but I was a kid for the transition, right? Like, we yeah, same, had a, a, a decent collection of VHS tapes in my house when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, I was born in 95, so I had so I had quite a okay. few. Okay. Uh, I think I'm the oldest here. Uh, nine, 91. 90. 90. 98? 98. Oh. <laughs> Baby. Wow. So I am the oldest here. <laughs> I, I am the... The oldest and the wisest. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get that out. Of that. <laughs> wisest, huh? Okay. The wisest. I am hitting 30 in a few months. so And then I know that age 30 is when my entire body will stop working. Yeah, that's when you, you crumble to dust and die. According, especially according to teenagers on TikTok who are like, can you believe this actor that looks 24 looks 24? And it's like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> right. I think I think at that point you're just gonna have to take me into a nursing home. Once I hit thirty, it's like okay, there's the door. I'll be sure to keep that in mind to commit to commit you to home at age thirty. <laughs> I'm ready to retire now. I've lived my life. I think and now I'm done. After 2020, I, think, I feel like I'm ready to retire at this point. Same. <laughs> I think 2020 was a difficult year for all of us. And I think the only reason I'm not is because voiceover work is too much fun. So, Hey, that's good. That's so, something to look, look forward to. Um, love what you do. So I think, I feel like the conversation is naturally starting to wind down a little bit. Uh, uh, and I don't, I don't want to stretch it too long, but I also, um, I would love to give everyone like so much more content and we will absolutely 100%. Um, so I think, um, I just wanted to personally say welcome both of you to the show. I am genuinely excited that we're doing this. This is a lot of fun. It's going to continue being a lot of fun. Is there anything that either of you would like to add or final thoughts or feelings or want to plug your socials again or any of that good stuff? Follow me on Twitter. I'm Lizzie Lemondrop. And go to the website in the <laughs> links in the bio and read the things I write. Yes, uh, read them. Yeah, you could follow me on Twitter at Lady Jazzington. I don't have a website, but I probably should because that's what all the cool voice actors do, and I am allegedly cool, so. 
I, I can confirm that the coolness is not, not alleged. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the brand new revamped Cows of Geekdom 2.0. <laughs> Hurrah. We, we will continue to do this. And uh, until next time, I'm Crystal Williams. You can follow me at Crystal W Rocks on Twitter. You can read my articles, which I, I am a writer and I write things on occasion. Uh, so, yeah, just follow us there. Enjoy our time. And uh, we love you all. And we will see you on the next episode of the Gals of Geekdom. Bye. 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 Thank you.